it's my pleasure to take part in this program of the audiovisual program of uh, the ILC. I believe it's a great program. And uh, I'm very honored to be able to take part in it. My name is Hussein Hasuna. I'm a member of the International Law Commission since 2006. And uh, I am from Egypt, former ambassador of Egypt and legal advisor of the Egyptian Foreign Ministry. But I started my career in the Sixth Committee. So now I'm in the ILC. Uh, I will try to share with you my thoughts about the challenges facing the ILC, but also its tremendous achievements. Let me first say that if you look at the Charter of the United Nations, you'll find that international law has a prominent place in the Charter. Among the uh, aims of the United Nations is respect for international law. This is in the preamble. If you look at Article 1, it talks about the settlement of disputes according to the rules of international law. And then Article 13, of course, talks about the General Assembly uh, promoting studies and making recommendations for the progressive development and codification of international law. And it was on this basis that the ILC was created in 1947. And uh, it uh, started functioning in 1949. So this year, we are celebrating the 70th anniversary of the creation of the ILC. It's an important year for the ILC and for international law in general. We had a session, or part of a session in New York this year, and we had the big celebration uh, attended by the President of the General Assembly, the Legal Council, many top international lawyers, and of course the members of the ILC. And then we had also uh, some panels on the relationship between the ILC and the Sixth Committee. And in July, we will continue this celebration, where the ILC will be hosting a number of panels attended by the President of the International Court of Justice and some top international lawyers of the world who will cover all aspects relating to the ILC, like its uh, past achievements, uh, its challenges, and uh, draw some conclusions about, about uh, where we're going. So I think it's a, it's a good uh, occasion maybe to talk about the ILC today. So let me first say that the ILC, as I mentioned, was created in 1947. Uh, it has 34 member state, members uh, representing the main uh, regional groups of the United Nations and the different uh, legal systems. Uh, it is a, a mixture of, uh, of professors, of diplomats, of politicians, of uh, some judges, ex-ministers. And this makes it so, uh, I think, effective. Because you have the academic experience and you have the practical experience. It's, it's a good mix. 
and they all also belong to different groups and backgrounds, and uh, they speak different languages. Uh, the selection of these members, uh, if I may say, takes place through the General Assembly. But if I may express a personal view, sometimes it's not on the basis of the highest qualifications of the members. It is also on the basis of political considerations and uh, sharing of, of votings between the member states and swapping of votes and so on. So let us not forget that the General Assembly is a political body and people have different interests and they all want to be on the main uh, organs of the United Nations and one of the most important one is the ILC. So, but saying this, I think you'll find that all the members that have been elected are qualified, are experienced, and contribute actively to the development of international law and its codification. Uh, I would also add here another observation, and this is the lack of uh, gender parity. It's unfortunate that oh, since the creation of the ILC, 70 years ago, there have been 229 members and only seven women have been elected on the ILC. So this is, I think, an unfortunate situation. And we do hope that governments in the coming elections will try to rectify the situation. And we need more uh, women. We have now four women, all belonging to Europe, which is also something which is not satisfactory. I believe we need more women from the third world. We need more women from Africa, from, from Asia, from Latin America. So these are some of the structural issues we face in, uh, in the ILC. Uh, we also look into how the ILC functions. And for that purpose, we have created a working group on the methods of work of the ILC. And I have the honor of chairing that uh, working group. Uh, we have initiated on our own, on the ILC uh, own initiative, to try to look into the methods of work and try to make them more effective. And we've done this already in 2011, and again last year in 2017. Sometimes the General Assembly asks us to do this, but for the last few years it has been our initiative. So this is to our credit, I believe. And looking into the methods of work, there are two dimensions. One is an internal dimension, how the ILC works, how the reports are prepared, how the plenary discussions take place, how the drafting com uh, committee is uh, composed and, and, and works, how, uh, the, how they present their, their work products to the sixth committee. And here I would say that 
the ARC can adopt either draft articles, it can adopt draft principles, it can adopt draft conclusions, uh, it can also present reports of, of study groups, uh, guidelines. So there's a variety of ways in which the ILC uh, uh, prepares its, its final product and presents it to the sixth uh, committee. Uh, I think we have been quite successful in, in, in doing so. And if you look at what has been achieved by the Commission over 70 years, you'll find that it has adopted a number of multilateral agreements that have mostly come into force. Going back to the very important treaty on the Vienna uh, Convention on treaty relations between states. Treaties are, are, are the basis today of, uh, of the relations uh, between, between the member states. Uh, and later on, a convention on diplomatic relations between states, also extremely important in the relations of states. Uh, also, the ILC has adopt, adopted the draft, uh, draft treaties, uh, draft uh, articles on the four Geneva Conventions on, on the law of the sea. So this is also very important. Uh, also, it has adopted an important convention on the non-navigational uses of uh, international water courses that came into uh, into force in 19, uh, into 19, uh, 2015, sorry, 2015. It's, it's an important uh, also convention. Apart from this, it has adopted a, a set of important legal uh, texts, like the draft uh, uh, on, on, on the establishment of the International Criminal Court. The draft statute started in the ILC, and then, of course, it was maybe amended by the General Assembly, and there was a convention, a, a, a meeting, a conference, diplomatic conference in Rome in 1998, which I had the honor to attend. But the basis of the work was done in the ILC. Also, uh, there, were, there has been a, a draft uh, code on crimes against peace uh, and humanity uh, of mankind. And this, again, is an important legal text that was issued uh, by the ILC. Turning now to the more, more recent uh, achievements, there have been one important one on uh, draft articles on the protection of person in disasters, which is something uh, very, very useful for states. You have disasters all over the world. And how does this work? You have the international community uh, working with the affected state. You have the principle of sovereignty, of course that the affected state has the right to take uh, action to 
protect its citizens and people, but it should not deny the help of the international community arbitrarily. So, and this is the compromise which, which we reached. Another important, uh, I think, draft article is, is, is the one on uh, expulsion of aliens. And this, again, was a complex issue, uh, but we managed to, to provide for the respect of each state's sovereignty and, uh, and, and national legislation on, on the question of uh, admitting aliens on its territory and on preserving its security. But at the same time, there's a correspondent duty of that state to respect the fundamental basic rights of the aliens on its territory. So this was, again, a delicate balance which we struck in, in our approach to the problem. Uh, there are other important issues now before the uh, Commission, like the issue of we are formulating a uh, convention on crime, crimes against humanity. We have a convention uh, against uh, genocide. We have the Geneva Convention on War Crimes. But so far, we have no convention on crimes against humanity. Although it is very often mentioned in, in situations of conflict that there are crimes against humanity are committed. So we try to, try to define what a crime uh, against humanity is. Uh, we try to uh, formulate rules where, uh, whereby the different members of the international community can cooperate to fight that crime and also rules uh, so that the different members of the international community can incorporate that crime in their national legislation. So these are the two uh, main objectives of formulating this, uh, uh, the, this convention. But we were also very careful that this crime was already mentioned in the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court. So our aim was not to substitute what was in the Rome Statute, but to complement it in some way and elaborate on it. So this is a very important achievement. And next year, we will start the second reading of this. We are awaiting the reaction and the comments of states. And hopefully, in the next two years, maybe we will have a, a convention on that important issue. There is also uh, another issue of importance, uh, which we finished the first reading of it this year, the question of subsequent agreements and subsequent practice in the interpreta interpretation of treaties, which is something also of importance, practical importance to states. Another one is this, the issue which also we completed at this session, uh, first reading, is the issue of identification of custom international law. How can custom international law be identified? What are the conditions to find a rule of international law and its content? There are two main elements, the question of practice and also the question uh, of uh, the, the, uh, the countries that uh, undergo such practice feeling that is a legal obligation for them to observe that rule. And uh, I think we have also achieved a set of conclusions on that issue, as well as on the other issue, 
the question of subsequent practice uh, and subsequent agreements. It is conclusions and not draft articles. We thought this was more uh, adequate uh, to dealing with this topic. Another issue which we are uh, focusing on is the question of Jus Kogans. We just uh, discussed it today, and we will continue to discuss it in Geneva. It's an important question. The issue of the peremptory rules of international law that are higher than other rules and that cannot be disregarded or violated by any other rules, uh, whether it's treaty or customary rule or immunity, it's, it's above everything, and uh, I think this is also an important issue. We talk about the definition of, of uh, Jus Kogans, and we also talk about the legal consequences of Jus Kogans. Uh, another issue which we are discussing is uh, the issue of the provision application of treaties before coming into force. This is something also that has been resorted to today by so many countries, for practical reasons, because sometimes ratification takes a long process uh, internally, so countries want to benefit uh, from the treaty and they, they apply it. So we are looking into what are the legal consequences of that, can reservations be made under that uh, concept and so on. And uh, we are also making progress on this topic. Another uh, topic is the question protection of the atmosphere. And this is a, a, a very important topic too, uh, because uh, there has been, as you, we know, a, uh, a, a serious degradation of, of the atmosphere as a result of, of pollution. Uh, we were very careful in dealing with this problem uh, because we did not want to go into uh, political issues relating to climate change. So uh, the rapporteur has uh, presented a series of, uh, of rules to be observed. They were really in the nature of recommendations. And uh, I think that uh, this topic is important. And it also includes, for the first time, a definition of the atmosphere, which hasn't been found so far in, in any, any literature or any practice. So this is an important topic as well. And then there's another important topic relating to the protection uh, of the environment in armed conflicts. We know that, unfortunately, armed conflicts are spread out in the world today. And very often, uh, these conflicts lead to damaging and destroying the environment. So again, we are formulating rules for the belligerent and from all parties involved in those conflicts to, to respect and to protect the, the environment. Uh, other issues pertain to the topic important too in, in international relations, the immunity of state officials from criminal, for uh, foreign criminal jurisdiction. So we talked, first of all, who will have this kind of immunity, what official, uh, what is an official act, and then the exceptions, there are certain exceptions, and they are sometimes controversial, whereas whereby an official, even if he has immunity, cannot uh, enjoy immunity 
regarding certain acts like uh, uh, crimes against humanity, like genocide, and, and we have a long list which are still being debated in our commission. Another new topic which we took up last year is the question of international responsibility in cases of state succession. And this is also another important issue because uh, we've seen there have been cases of state succession uh, in, in Europe, in Eastern Europe mainly, but also with the new independent states in Africa, for instance, there were states uh, succession and do these new countries assume the responsibility of, of the predecessors or do they start with a clean slate? So this is also a very important issue we are uh, discussing. Uh, we have also in our commission a working group on long-term program of work. And here we look at new topics. And, and this is extremely important because once we uh, we accomplish, uh, or we, uh, we end up by producing uh, the results of our work on a given topic, we have to have something on our agenda. So we are always constantly looking into new topics, and we look to topics that are practical for states and that will be accepted and, and, and that will conform to the need of states. This is very important. So we have a lot of uh, topics we are debating now. One of them is uh, the question of uh, principles uh, of international law, general principles of international law. Uh, since we dealt so many with issues of treaties, now we're looking at other sources. We dealt with custom. Now we, we look at uh, general principles of international law and, and some other uh, topics. Here sometimes, to be honest with you, we come to deal with issues and sometimes we have opinions that say, well, this topic is too political in nature and maybe we should not go into topics that are political in nature. My own view is every topic has legal aspects and has political aspects and our job should be to deal with topics, even if they, they have some political uh, dimensions, but to stick to the legal uh, aspects of it. And this is in order to facilitate uh, the, the work of, of, of the countries, you know, to even when they deal with difficult issues like, let's say, self-determination, uh, we do not want to go into the political aspects of that issue because, uh, as we know, there are many uh, issues of secessions today in the world and self-determination, but we should deal with the legal framework and this will, of course, be, I think, of practical use to the countries involved. I will now tell you that one of the main issues we are confronting is our relationship with the General Assembly and the Sixth Committee. And here the ILC has certainly some kind of independence, but we always seek guidance from the Sixth Committee and the General Assembly. Because after all, we are not an academic institution. We are a, uh, a committee or a commission uh, established by the General Assembly whose aim is to serve the needs of states. 
So whatever we produce in our work has to be approved by states. And here I must say we have an interaction with the Sixth Committee. That is why our, our chairman every year presents his report to the Sixth Committee. And uh, many members also of the IRC attend the Sixth Committee meetings. There is an informal dialogue taking place. Uh, we have a week on international law where we discuss all these issues. And also, we do, whenever we finish or we, we, we make progress in our work, we address to governments a questionnaire asking their opinions on certain issues that helps us to proceed in dealing with our topic. And here, I must tell you that it is very unfortunate that those countries who send written replies are limited in numbers, and usually they belong to the Western uh, countries. So there is a obvious absence of involvement of the third world, especially the Afri African and, and, and the Asian countries. And we have to look into this problem. Those countries, of course, as you know, they, are, they, they face uh, problems, problems in, in human resources, and problems in financial resources, and problems in technical resources. So they're not able to respond as much as the Western countries do. And here, I have been asked many times, what is the solution? In my view, the solution should be done on a regional basis. And this is, we should have more interaction. Members of the African group, for instance, and Egypt belongs to the African group, should have more meetings with representatives of the African countries in the Sixth Committee. And we did this. A week ago, we called for a meeting of the African group of the Sixth Committee, the legal advisors, and we had an extensive discussion with them about the issues which we are dealing with in the uh, International Law Commission. And this, I think, was beneficial for them to understand better and to be able maybe to respond better to the, the questions which we ask them. Another way, I think, is to uh, try to have the Asian-African Legal Consultative Organization, which is an important organization created already in the 50s, after the conference of Bandung in Indonesia, it started with seven countries. Uh, and, and today, it has the majority of the African and, and uh, Asian countries in the world. And they meet regularly. And, and one of their mandate is to discuss the issues before the ILC. I've been involved many times in those meetings. So I think at these meetings, we can formulate a common position. We can discuss these issues, coordinate the position of the uh, African and Asian countries, and allow them, therefore, to play a more active role. Because I believe that this active role is so important today. We want to formulate rules of universal character. International law in the 19th century was mainly uh, formulated by Western countries. Today, we need all countries and all regions of the world to be involved in this, to, so that these, these rules are really 
internationally formulated and internationally applied also. So I think this is this is very important aspect which we, we have to address. Another issue of importance is that when we submit the result of our work to the Sixth Committee, very often the Sixth Committee does not take action. They take note of it and ask the General Assembly to issue a resolution taking note. But they don't recommend the final form that our work should take. Should it take the form of a convention? Uh, should it take the form of uh, just a resolution? Should it take the form of just guidelines? And this is unfortunate because I noticed that the Sixth Committee uh, has a certain hesitation. And they say that countries need more time. And sometimes they ask governments to uh, add comments to, to the issue. And I think, in my view, we should also find this, a practical solution to this. And in my view, I think we can, first of all, get the Sixth Committee more involved throughout the process of formulating the views, each time asking them, what do you think about this topic? What do you think the final outcome should be? Should it uh, result into a convention or just uh, some conclusions or guidelines? As we go along, we need, I think, the opinion of the Sixth Committee. Another, I think, solution would be also for us to ask the Sixth Committee to propose items and topics we should take up, because usually it's only the Commission that proposes, and then they're usually accepted. But we need the, 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 the member states to propose topics that are of interest and importance for them. And I'm glad to say that very recently, the, the, the federal government of Micronesia proposed for the first time a topic on the legal implication on, 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 on the sea level uh, rise uh, resulting from global warming. And this is an important topic for small countries and small islands. And I think we need more of that uh, initiatives taken by member states of the United Nations. So let me just now, before concluding, say that in spite of the achievements I've been talking about, I think the ILC is facing also great challenges today. First of all, the challenge of its, its composition, that we all belong to different countries, different legal systems. And although that the ILC members are independent experts, although our states have nominated us, but we are independent, we don't have to follow the instructions of anyone. But in fact, we are influenced to tell you the truth, by our legal experience and by our national experience. So sometimes we have different views, different perceptions. And this has been overcome by a dialogue between the members, by trying to reach uh, results through consensus, uh, not voting like the General Assembly, uh, also compromises. And I think this has been very uh, successful, and we do respect each other's view, and we work in a, 
in a, a, a spirit of camaraderie, and I think we should continue to do so. Another, I think, uh, challenge has been the development of international law in light of the fast development, uh, technical, and scientific development of the world. And here, international law had to follow these developments. And we have, taken, we have to take up subjects uh, of importance to the states today. Uh, all the traditional subjects have been, I think, already being analyzed and, 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 and codified. But the new topics are their uh, issues, for instance, in my view, issues relating to investment, issues relating to the environment, uh, issues uh, relating to cyber crime, cyber security. All these are new issues which we should deal with. But then you would say, how do we deal with? We are just lawyers. I would say, well, we have to resort to the expertise of scientists. We did this already for a few topics. For instance, on the question of the shared resources of aquifers. We resorted to uh, experts from UNESCO and otherwise who talked to us about what, uh, what is an aquifer, how does it function, and so on. Also on the issue of protection of the atmosphere, we resorted to some scientists who came and who explained to us what is the atmosphere, how is it composed, what are the implications of global warming, and so on. So I think we have to have more recourse to, to expert uh, knowledge uh, and expert uh, institution also that can help. Otherwise, we'll find that many of the issues of international law might be dealt with outside the International Law Commission. Like already, there have been issues pertaining to, for instance, outer space that have been never dealt with in the ILC, uh, issues pertaining to economic relations that have never been dealt with by ILC. So I think it's about time to review uh, our choosing of, uh, of the topics, but we need also the cooperation of the member states. Uh, finally, let me tell you that in spite of some criticism against the ILC, they say that we are sometimes more of an academic institution uh, we, we have lost our sense of identity uh, in, uh, in the light of the fragmentation of international law and so on. I think we are still in a unique position because we have an institutional knowledge. We are uh, an organ working within the framework of the General Assembly. And we have the backing and the interaction with states. I don't think any institution involved in codifying international law uh, has this advantage. So I'm very confident that the ILC will survive, will continue its a very important role in the field of progressive development and codification of international law. Let me just say one word to our young viewers. A lot of young international lawyers have asked me, uh, how can I be more involved in international law. And I tell them, you have to start from bottom. Uh, you have to believe in international law. You have to remain committed to international law. 
and to work hard. And this is how, how most of the members of international law have made it. We, we never were, uh, from the beginning, uh, candidates for the ILC. We started uh, way back, and over the years, we all built our legal careers until we were elected by the United Nations. So I just wanted to share with you these few remarks on the ILC, and I'm confident that international law will remain essential, especially at a time when uh, international relations might be going through a difficult phase. International law will remain the essence of creating a world based on the rule of law and justice. Thank you.